But I have a ton of things to share with you just on today's readings. So we'll see how far we get. I might have to cut this short. But going backwards, starting with the Gospel. You've heard me say this before, but I think we can ponder a little bit when our Lord says, no one likes a lamp just to put it under a bushel basket. It's interesting, in Revelation, the Holy Spirit, speaking to St. John, or speaking through St. John, refers to the churches, seven churches in particular, of Asia Minor, as lampstands. And that's what we are called to be, lampstands, that carry the light of Christ, the truth of Christ, the victory of Christ, the hope of Christ. We are the lampstand. The church, like throughout the world, the individual churches, and you and me, myself, ourselves, we are the church, and we are that lampstand. And our Lord says, no one lights a lampstand, no one has a lamp and puts it under, under a bushel basket. Don't let it be hidden. And much of Revelation is St. John writing to the church is saying, change your ways, or your light will go out. It is our sins sometimes that hide the light. It is our bad habits, the things that pull us away from the light, and it eventually is extinguished, like, for example, the, the five foolish virgins, we run out of oil, and grace runs out in our lives, and we live in sin, our light is covered. Or cowardice, fear, vanity of what people will think of us. I'm baptized, I'm proud, and then suddenly, well, people don't always welcome the Catholic teaching or the Catholic way of life, and suddenly I'm wanting to hide my lamp and not live with pride, the, the truth and the victory of Jesus Christ and the way of life of the Christian. Or my own doubts, my lack of an intellectual understanding of my faith, my inability to express it, my intellectual formation being weak and, and kind of impoverished causes the light to be dimmed and people can't see it because I don't understand it or I can't explain it very well. Or my, even my human formation, my social formation. I know Jesus, I love Jesus, but man, I've got some prickly thorns of a porcupine when I deal with people. And I haven't dealt with that. I haven't overcome that. I've got the sharp edges pushing people away, and therefore the light remains hidden. All these different examples of what it means to hide a lamp under a bushel basket, we need to get rid of the bushel baskets in our lives, whatever they are. Our sins, our scandals, our cowardice, our vanity, our doubts, our rationalism, our poor formation. Our Lord calls us to stand out. I want to touch on the, the first reading a little bit because it's, it's, first of all, the fact that our Lord does go out after us. It's the time when the Israelites are in Babylon, they're in exile, and it's always an image of us being lost in sin, or lost in a sinful society. We are lost in darkness, and yet God goes out to find us somehow. Ezekiel and, and, and Jeremiah and others, and here's Ezra, and these prophets sent to share with us, no, he will come after you, he will bring you back, he will bring you home. It's interesting that um, when I first was reading this, I was like, well, here's this image of, of, from Ezra of um, telling the story how King Cyrus was inspired by God once he conquered Babylon to tell the Israelites, now you guys are all free. Go home and build your temple back the way it was. Here's all the money you need and get the people to help you. Here's my edict. And I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if Ezra made that up or if it really happened. So I Wikipedia'd it. I Googled it. And there really is an edict of restoration by Cyrus II of Persia telling all peoples to go home, rebuild your broken temples, and there's a few things that stand out, because there's some critics that say, well, he doesn't actually say Judah in this particular relic that we have. But he is a, an interesting character of religious tolerance, 500 BC religious tolerance. You don't see that too often. And he did have an edict of restoration of temples and peoples who were exiled. And he felt called by a god who wasn't Persian to do what he did. Isaiah later on would say Cyrus was called by God to do what he did. He's one of the first messianic figures, one of the first people referred to as a Christ, a savior, an anointed one of God. 
But it's funny because, I don't know, it's, you don't need to doubt it. So much of our scriptures, there's a lot there for us. And we want to doubt it and, and hide it under the bushel basket of our rationalism and our, and our doubts and our cynicism, but it's there for those who want it. That so much of what is given to us, even in the Old Testament, is true. Some of it's symbolic, some of it's images, but some of it's actually history. And God used that history of the Jews being brought home from their physical, historical exile to remind us that we are called back home from our darkness of sin. Again, for that light to shine unhindered by the darkness of our sins. Do we have time? Do we have time? One more thing. Oh, we have time. Come on, it's St. Augustine talking to shepherds. Because look, on the one hand, we're the ones being called back from exile and our sin. On the other hand, we are also the shepherds, parents, godparents, teachers, calling others out of their sin. And I love St. Augustine's realism. Because it's hard. Let's see. When we go after the sheep who are lost in sin, the sheep too are stubborn because they are sought for when astray. They claim, as they wander and are lost, not to be long, not to belong to us. Why do you want us? Why are you looking for us, shepherds? As though they're straying and being lost, we're not the very reason why we want them and are looking for them. If I am astray, says one, if in deadly danger, why do you care? Why do you want me? Why are you looking for me? Because you are astray, I want to bring you back, says the shepherd. Because you are lost, I want to find you. But I want to go astray. I want to be lost. Ever hear that in our society sometimes, in our own hearts sometimes? Do you want to be astray? Do you want to be lost? How much better is my not wanting this? I am bold to say so. I am importunate. I hear the apostles say, preach the word, be urgent, in season and out of season. In season for whom? Out of season for whom? In season, surely for the willing, the sheep willing to be found. They're happy you come. Out of season for the unwilling when they don't want to be found. It's kind of uncomfortable for them. I am uncomfortable for you. I make bold to say, you want to go astray. You want to be lost. I do not want this. Finally, the one whom I fear does not want this, referring to God. If I do want it, observe what he says. Take note of his rebuke. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you, shepherd, have not sought. Shall I fear you, lost sheep, rather than him who calls me? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I will bring back the stray. I will seek the lost sheep. Whether you like it or not, that I will do. And if thorn bushes in the forest tear me as I seek, I will squeeze, squeeze through the, all the narrow tracks. I will grow, go through all the thickets. It is the Lord whom I fear who gives me strength. I will search everywhere to bring back the stray. So it is a little food for thought that we are the, the church, the lampstand, the light that doesn't just stand there passive, but goes after those in darkness. We ourselves, having been in darkness, being brought to the light, we in turn are sent after those lost. And do not hide your light under the bushel basket of your fear, your cowardice, or what will they think of me, or how will they react if I tell them the truth. Find a way to do it. Ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, but let us be true to who we are and bring the light of Christ to all those who are found and beside us in the pews and those who are lost. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph.